Hi, everybody. I haven't met most of you before. I don't think there's lots of new faces. At this time on a Sunday, I'm normally putting my kids to bed. I'm watching the Strictly results. So I'm giving up a lot not knowing who's gone out of Strictly right now. Um, I've got my guess, but I'll, I'll save it. Anyway, so um, John and Joe asked um, me to speak a little bit about Advent today, because today is the first Sunday of Advent. For those of you that follow that, you'll know that. If not, you won't. Um, if you're worried, the Advent calendars start on Thursday, but today is the first Sunday of Advent. And uh, I don't know about you, but I never really engaged in the season of Advent beyond the calendars. I'm one of four kids, and I always found it really hard because we had one calendar, and we had to take it in turns. So I hardly ever really got to open a door on my advent calendar. And beyond that, advent didn't mean a lot to me. But it got to the point where um, I, was, I was working for a church, and so Christmas was super busy. Like, Rich was just listing out all the millions of things that are happening in December. I was a youth pastor, so I was running around in schools, trying to do some cool new things with young people to get them to come to church. And uh, I'd hit Christmas Eve, and I'd be like, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I haven't really thought about you. <laughs> I've been doing all this Christmas stuff, and loads of it's really good, but I don't know if my heart has really engaged with the amazing story of Christmas. And so I began to really purposefully try and think about Jesus coming. And in that process of learning what Advent looked like, I realized that Advent isn't just about Jesus coming as a baby, but it's us looking forward to when he comes again. And it's super exciting that Jesus is coming again. And that's why we read that Revelation passage, because that's what's going to happen. He's going to come back and make all things new. And as I would reflect in Advent, Jesus would put eternity in my heart. Suddenly things felt a little bit different, because suddenly something was much more important. Tomorrow was less important, because eternity, the reality of what Jesus was going to do, that was in my heart, and that is so exciting. So, do you know, at the four o'clock service, we ran over so much that I had to condense my talk into about eight minutes. <laughs> and now I'm trying to remember what am I even talking about, because now I've got to extend it back to, you know, a good 45, 50 minutes. That's what you guys get on a Sunday night, right? <laughs> I'm just joking, I run out of steam after about five. Um, so, um, Advent means coming or arrival. And for something to arrive, there generally has to be a waiting period, right? We have to wait in order to receive the thing that's coming. And um, what we learn from the ancient people of God, those people in the Old Testament, is that in the waiting, we learn what it is to be hopeful. We learn what hope looks like as we wait. And I feel like God's got a call on us today and for the rest of the season and probably for the rest of our lives. And that is to be a people of hope individually that you are a person of hope but corporately we're a people of hope and that looks different to other people that we find around us and um, I've been doing all this research on hope because I like knowing what I'm talking about sometimes and uh, so I've been reading and looking at articles and listening to podcasts all around this theme of hope and there's loads of stuff out there there's loads of stuff that all these clever people write about how essential hope is in your life and I was reading this Harvard Business Review anybody else read that just just me okay cool I don't really read it I'm just joking um, I read stuff like 
old MacDonald. Um, but anyway, I read this article and there was a guest writer and he was, he's like a leadership coach and he's big in business. And he was saying that hope is crucial for human flourishing. And I was like, yeah, I agree with that. That sounds good. And then he was talking about all this evidence that he had where people who were really hopeful were much more satisfied with life. They were much happier people. Students, listen up, who were full of hope, there's evidence to suggest that you'll get better grades in your degree if you are a hopeful person. Doesn't that sound good? Hope's great. So I carried on reading thinking, what's the secret to this hopeful life? And do you know what was really sad? It was all within your own ability and strength to be hopeful. It relies entirely on you, according to this leadership coach, that if you want to have a happy and hopeful life, that you better find the discipline in yourself or the strength of character or mind or whatever it might be to be hopeful. And do you know what I felt in my heart? Ah, so relieved. Because our kind of hope doesn't rely on you at all. It's entirely based in the faithfulness of God. Isn't that amazing? I don't know if you remember me, but I love a little bit. Yeah, mmm, click, click from the congregation. Thank you so much. So when I say something that you think, yeah, that sounds quite, quite helpful or cool, then you can just sort of mmm or click or whatever because I love it. It makes me feel like we're in it together and it's not just me chatting away up here. So um, let me just find my place. God's past faithfulness motivates our future hope. How great is that? That when we look back on all that God has done, all the stories biblically, but also your story, God's past faithfulness can grow our hope for what is to come. I think we, we, some of us will know lots of stories about some of the Old Testament um, things they're referring to there, lots of kind of chaos and disobedience and lots of stuff that went wrong. But you see that they are the very best when they put their trust and their hope in God, aren't they? His people are at the, at the best that they can be is when their hope and their faith is in God. And I wonder if we look back at our own lives, we might see the same story, that when we're submitted, when our hope is in Jesus, when we're living with that eternity in our hearts, that actually it doesn't mean that everything's fine, but actually you see God's faithfulness running through it. I look back at my life and I think, gosh, it's incredible that God is faithful to me. <laughs> I was such a monkey and uh, <laughs> I went, go into it but I can see God's faithfulness but I can also see it in the times where I, I, I was obedient you know I'm not saying that with pride but there, there are times where I know God's calling me to do stuff and I've stepped into it and I've stepped out and I see God's faithfulness there too and um, and as as I see God's faithfulness as I reflect on his faithfulness my ability to hope grows because it's all about him it's not about me and um when I was thinking about it this week, it reminded me of this autobiography I read. And I don't know if any of you guys have heard of this lady called Johnny Erickson Tarda. Yeah. And um, I remember reading her story. And um, she has an amazing ministry. She kind of travels all over the world. And she, um, she hands out wheelchairs. And she's got a real heart for people who are impacted by disability. So I think she's handed out like 200,000 wheelchairs across the world, hundreds of thousands of Bibles, and just lots of ways that she can support people who are impacted by disability. And you know, when she was young, she like loved to run and swim and play tennis and ride horses. And then at seven, 17, she dives into the, into the sea and she breaks her neck and she's never moved from the neck down again. 
And so she does all this amazing stuff from her wheelchair. But she talks about when the initial moment of the accident, she was in such darkness and anger and rage that this could be happening to her. She was struggling to believe that things could ever be good again. She actually just describes wanting to die. She was in such darkness. And it was in this place that she began to see God's faithfulness in probably the absolute worst moment of her life that probably many of us can imagine, lying in a hospital bed, realizing that your life is never going to be the same again. You're never going to ride the horse that you love. You're never going to run again. And it's in this place that she begins to understand God's faithfulness. And God puts eternity into her heart. And he paints a picture for her that he's coming back. And he's making all things new. And one day she will run again. One day she will wave her arms again. One day she will not need her wheelchair. She, she talks about imagining what heaven's like. And she, just, she knows theologically it won't be there. But she kind of has this imagination that the wheelchair will be in heaven. And her and Jesus will just smile at each other as she walks around. You know, like she has eternity in her heart and she is full of hope and she writes this is hope really all that hard to come by I don't think so our hope is for the desire of the nations our hope is the healer of broken hearts the friend of sinners the God of all encouragement the father of all comfort the Lord of all hope and it's my prayer that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you might know this hope to which he has called you Isn't that an amazing question? Is hope really that hard to come by? I don't know how you'd answer that question. But her eyes are fixed on Jesus and the hope of eternity is in her heart. We know that God does heal, doesn't he? He does transform situations. Hopefully you guys have heard stories of that or seen that in your own life. And we pray for that. We pray for the supernatural to invade our natural, that we would see things transform and change. And we live in a time that that happens, but we also live in this funny in-between time where it doesn't always happen, that the world is broken, it's not as it's meant to be. And we've got a choice, whether we stick and we just look at our circumstances and we think, oh, I'll just make the best of it, or we live with that eternity perspective in our hearts and our minds, and we lift our eyes out of our stuff, and we look up and we see that Jesus is going to make all things new. And that is what gives you hope. Not your own ability to create a good future for yourself. The fact that Jesus is with you now, but he's coming back. Isn't that good? Good. You're such a star. Thank you. And I think, again, for me, it's like I think, do you know, God hasn't just deleted the hard things in my life when I became his friend. He hasn't deleted the things I struggle with or I fear or I worry about. He hasn't just transformed things overnight so that everything's perfect. But do you know what I think he does transform is me. That when I'm sat in my situation, I submit it to the Lord. I ask him, yes, please put that vision of eternity in my heart. When you will come back and make all things new, I am transformed. And I'm able to cope with the situation or continue going with whatever it is that God's calling me to do. That's good. So, um, Claire read us Revelation 21. And I've referred to it a few times But isn't it amazing that God himself will be amongst us when he comes back? He will dwell with us. We will be his people. And in that time, he will wipe away every tear from your eyes. Every painful part of you, every painful experience, every bit of mourning, every grief from death or loss, it will be wiped away by Jesus. That is the picture of eternity. It's a beautiful picture. 
And it's his promise as well. And what we learn from the ancient people of God is that he's faithful to his promises. God promised a Messiah, didn't he? All the way through the Old Testament are these amazing prophecies that point forward to God sending his son, Jesus. And he was faithful because he did send his son. And his son bore everything on himself. He knew he was going to take all of your mess, all of my mess, all of our sin. And he was going to die and he's going to come back to life in order that we would have a relationship with Jesus and we would be with God now. We don't have to wait to be with God. He is with us now. That's the Emmanuel promise. Jesus with us at Christmas and beyond. And so there will be a time where he wipes away those tears and pain and death will be gone. And it's coming. We don't know when. But he says that he is coming. And because God is faithful, we believe in that promise because he will be faithful to this one when he comes back and makes all things new. And so if we raise our head from our situations, the things that we love about our lives, the things that we find hard, the things that we're still desiring for, the things that we've already received. But if we lift up our heads and focus on the God who is faithful then eternity will begin to grow in our hearts and hope will come because we are hoping for what is to come, not what we're living in right now. And I think that a people or a person of hope is going to be the most profound witness to the world. We talk about the world being in darkness and light coming in. And you know, have you ever met someone that's just so hopeful? Isn't it like light? You know, when you're chatting to somebody that's just full of hope, And they start talking and you're like, whoa, that whole thing suddenly feels a bit different. It's a bit lighter. And that's what we're called to be in the world. We're not supposed to ignore our situation. You don't have to pretend everything's fine. But you have an eternal hope in your heart that you get to offer to people. When people come with their mourning and their pain and their tragedy, which is completely valid and completely true because we live in a broken world, you don't just wash it away, but you point to the eternal hope that we carry in our hearts that is transformative in the now as well as the future. I wonder what conversations you might get to have this Advent, because people do talk about Jesus, surprisingly enough. They don't like to, but it's easier to bring up at Christmas than any other time, I think, because you can just slip it in. And what if in those conversations you point to the fact that Jesus came as a baby, but that offers a much greater hope than people might realize? And if you embody and you identify with the fact that you are called to be a person of hope, then you get to have the most incredible conversations around hope. Don't you? Yes. <laughs> and, um, and I feel like, I, honestly, the prophetic thing, the prophetic word over you all is to be a people of hope. You're looking at me blankly, but it's incredible. Imagine if the world saw this church and was like, what is it they've got? Why are they so hopeful? Why are they so hopeful? And we go, because he's coming back. He's coming back. That's good news. So, I don't know what the time is. Are we time to finish? Sorry. Okay, well, I think we should just pray. I know it's like awkward coming up the front and no one likes it, but it's exciting when we're filled with the presence of God, God with us, God in us, God through us, and we be people of hope. And that is what he's saying this Advent. So as you guys journey towards Christmas, as you celebrate the fact that Jesus was born, which is proof that God is faithful because he promised he'd come. And then you journey on from that and you look towards the eternal hope where he is coming back and he's making everything new, that we will stand together in a place where there's no tears, 
There's no fear. There's no death. And God dwells among us. That is the hope of Advent. That's the ho, 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 hope that we're talking about. Okay? Thank you. So, <laughs> I'm glad that got the biggest <laughs> clap. 